This is the Bonsai Wire podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Robson, joined by my co-host, Jonas Dupuy. And today we wanted to talk to you about how to deal with hot weather. Yeah, you just had a, a, a nice spell of, of heat down here, didn't you? We did. And uh, to be fair, we know that most of you are not as concerned about hot weather this time of year. But California, many of our coastal cities actually have their hottest weather in September and into October. And so over the weekend, it was, uh, I think it was 103 two days, 103 two days ago, I guess 101 yesterday. And just for perspective, I'm used to going 10 years at a time without hitting 100. So wow. I noticed it was warm. That's warm. Yeah, it's that that's a little reminiscent of our 117 <laughs> that we we felt. It is. And uh, as far as the plants are concerned, it's out of the norm for them. So if you're listening from Texas and you're thinking you're still wearing your jackets when it hits 100, that's fair. But if your trees aren't used to it, when you get jumps of 20, 30, 40 degrees above what they'd expect or what they had the day before, that can be really stressful. Yeah, it's it's tough on the plants and I think you and I over our our um, careers and, and experiences taking care of trees. We've, we've learned a few tips to, to help battle that, that extreme heat when, when we get it. So do you have any good stories of when you definitely did not protect, protect trees adequately and wacky hijinks ensued? Not too much, but you know, I, where I studied with Michael Hegedorn at, at Crotegas, um, he was very proactive about things like weather and so we were over we he he taught he taught me to be always overly cautious so if we saw on the forecast you know wind 50 miles per hour coming up this week we tie everything down we you know really make an effort to to foreshadow because you don't want to risk it with these these nice trees and so with with things like the heat um we especially in in like a, a couple years ago or last year when we had the heat wave we totally overdid it and because of that i think we didn't have any losses uh, and so what i mean by overdid it uh, we had 117 degrees just for people who who may, maybe weren't aware we had 117 degrees in portland when the high is usually 30 30 degrees lower than that um and we did a lot of unnormal things we overwatered our pines we moved our conifers under really strong shade cloth uh, we, we did a lot of things to kind of fight the the heat because overwatering for three days isn't really gonna nobody's nobody's killed a a tree for overwatering for three days no not in such a short period of time like that i was asking about the damage because i'm wondering how much heat damage do you see in people's collections or over the years like what how do you know when you see a stressed tree that heat was the culprit or what what might be some clues to that because it's not always obvious yeah, um, on a deciduous tree, you definitely see leaf burn, uh, and leaf burn um, can or sunburn on a deciduous tree can look very different than um, some type of water problem. If it's a water problem, it will burn the tip of the leaf. If it's a too strong of a sun issue, then it it's it creates a, a browning or a yellowing or a discoloration. Yeah, on the center of the leaf, yeah. um, and so that's a really strong sign. Um, for a deciduous plant. What about conifers? You're the conifer guy here. You know, it's the same kind of thing, but the patterns will be different. And so you can see yellowing on the insides of whorls on pines. Uh, Another really obvious one is when you see yellowing where things are exposed to the sun. Junipers are one of the more common species we see sunburn on. And one of the main signs is when you see yellowing on the top, on the leaves facing the sun, and you turn the tree upside down and it's all green underneath. 
Mm. And that's actually a more interesting example because that usually means something's going wrong with the roots. Yeah. It is sunburn that you're seeing, but it's often sunburn exacerbated by overall weak roots or even a pathogen in the root. So that's actually, that comes up a lot and that people have trouble diagnosing what's going on. It's when you start with some weakness, the sun will just remind you of that. Yeah. So what, what are some concrete things that we can give our, our, our listeners? If, if you have a, if you have a hundred degrees or 105 or 10 or 15 coming up, what, what are, what are five things we can tell them to do? Oh, we're going to give you hopefully at least 15 things to do. And Andrew already gave you one and a half of these already, which is check your forecasts once in a while. Reading the forecast is so important. Hardcore bonsai nuts pretty much all have weather apps and they know a little more than the weather than they might. (laughs) I took it a step further and got a weather station in my backyard to learn over time how my backyard differs from my city's um, forecasted weather. And I know in general, my garden's going to be up to two to four degrees higher than the rest of the island. Yeah. If, if you're checking the forecast daily, very rarely is something going to creep up on you. It went, thinking back to last year when we had a 117 degree heat wave. You had warning. We had warning. We knew a week, nine, 10 days ahead of time. We saw it on the forecast. Now, a year, year ago, I see 111 on the forecast. I'm like, that's not right. That's a glitch. <laughs> 10 days out. And then Seven days out, I'm like, eh, maybe it's going to be warm, but it's not going to be that warm. And then the next day, it's like national news. Heat dome expected over the Pacific Northwest. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm reading about this in Washington newspapers. That's odd. Yeah. So if you see that coming, don't wait until it's there to do something. There's your first tip. And honestly, just knowing is going to be huge. Most of us know within a day or two if something really crazy is going to happen. Yeah. A freeze or a heat wave. And the heat waves are... Uh, they're very easy to prepare for and can take different work. So that's number one is check your forecast. Um, the other thing you said is that you gave us a clue. It wasn't concrete, but you said we tended to overdo it. In other words, we're going to give you a lot of strategies. You can do them all. You can do as many as you want. And over time, you can kind of figure out in your gardens and based on your trees, your soil, the pot sizes, which approaches are the most effective and which ones or maybe only when it hits that last record-breaking three digits, you know? Yeah. Um, and another thing actually on that topic, I find I'm much more paranoid on multi-day heat waves than I am on single-day heat waves. Yeah, it's it's especially when you have that high overnight in between the, the oh, hot gosh. days. Oh, gosh, if you don't give the trees a break. If, so we had 103 a couple days ago, and I was actually probably not healthily laissez-faire about it. I was a little casual because I know that's not bad. But as soon as I heard the next day, I think I did 10 different things to prepare for that the very next day because I'm like, one thing to give a tree a stress event, it's another to give them an extended stress event. And so if number one is just know to prepare and check the weather, number two is try to reduce the scope or extent of the exposure to the heat. Yeah. And, and one of the ways we can do that is with watering. So there's a lot of different approaches and strategies to watering and we can apply all of them when we have a heat wave. Uh, yeah. One of them I think about is water early in the day. Yeah. Get water in the system of the plant before the, the heat I do it the, the night comes. before often. All yeah. water. I'm like, if I know that I'm not going to be in the garden bright and early or I don't want to forget, I'm always... Because it'll get it'll be ninety degrees by nine a.m. sometimes, and yep. so yeah, yep. I'll water early in the morning, or I'll water and or the night before. So yep. timing of watering early 
Yes, that's a big one. Yeah, you know it's going to be hot that day. Don't on that specific day. Don't check the trees for water. Water everything. Get water in the system of those plants. Okay, so I'm kind of a fool. I actually didn't water for the first time till later than I care to admit. Two days ago, what do I do when I walk outside then? You wet the plants down as best as you can. Um, and in that case, you're not just saturating the pots, but you might spray the foliage, which can be really helpful in the heat wave. And I did that. I watered all the foliage. So I grew up in a nursery family, retail nursery, no bonsai. And what was I taught to do at a very young age when it got hot? Water down the walkways, water down the benches, water the containers. The more water that's out there, the more evaporation you get. And evaporation physically cools things down. It raises the humidity. It's kind of like a win-win-win cascade you get when there's more wet. I water the sides of my benches, the cinder blocks. I always water those down. I'll water the tabletops, the sides of the containers. Even if I'm not watering the soil, I'll cool down the sides of the containers. And I know that by letting that extra water drip under the tables, I feel like I'm buying myself time before I have to water again. Yep, and you're you're refreshing the plants. And it's, oh goodness, yeah. So so overhead watering, water the foliage, water the trunk, water yeah. the branches. That's that's important. Water the the exterior of the pot to cool that off. And yeah, when you water, remember, we're not just delivering fluid to the root system. What we're doing is we're pushing out the old air, we're pulling in new air, and we're just if the if the temperatures are baking inside those pots, we're actually going to be pulling in cooler air and cooling down and allowing evaporation even in the roots and so the yep. whole system can really benefit from that yeah when we had our heat wave in portland i was it was 117 degrees <laughs> from let's say 11 a.m to 7 p.m during those three days i was outside watering every hour and a half and i didn't care if the tree the trees were totally wet when i was watering but i was just trying to you know i was out with my meat thermometer i was sticking it in the pots getting a read on the temperature of those yeah. those roots i was just trying to keep them keep them below 100 degrees <laughs> and that's my mantra is i i say i'm out there every hour it might be an hour and a half but in general my rule of thumb is i'm roughly if i can do it i'm going to be out there roughly every hour kind of checking when you're in those really critical zones yeah you just and i'm not throwing water in the pots for most of those times because if it's say you got a big canopy and the pot shaded and it's sopping wet i'm going to overhead water at that point because then i get all of those awesome evaporative benefits right Um, even if there's no breeze just the sun baking the foliage is going to evaporate that fluid which will reduce the temperature of the foliage and it actually saves the tree from having to rely solely on the you know evapotranspiration to cool itself down we're helping it do that for it except at such a greater extent than the tree can do on its own and there's there's a lot of arguments you can make about overhead watering yes it's going to promote more fungus yes it's oh, i was just going to say that's one case when i actually have very mixed feelings about overhead watering if you're guaranteeing yourself fungal problems right late in the day and you know you're fighting fungus do you overhead water those plants absolutely I would do three or four other things before I overhead water. I, I would overhead water because I don't think that if you were, we're just doing this for like a two or three day heat spell, in the grand scheme of things, those two or three days aren't. That's exactly right. But I'm going to do a whole bunch of things to where hopefully I'm not even in that position because another thing you can do when you have a heat wave coming is put up additional shade cloth. Shade cloth is your friend for, an, for the heat. Yeah, and a synonym for shade cloth is move it to a shady corner of the garden. 
And yeah. that's a synonym for move it under your bench. Yeah, placement and in the garden is huge for a heat wave. Placement and just in the garden. In general. Yeah, I. So on day two of my heat wave yesterday, I moved what felt like a quarter of the trees in the garden. Wow. Which trees did I move? Every sick tree and every tree in a small pot. Yeah, I was just going to say Shoheen. The smaller the yeah. tree, the more susceptible it is to those changes. The, in the less thermal insulation the containerized environment right. can offer the root system. Yeah, putting a pine in the shade for three days is not going to harm it. We not don't want even it. close. We don't want it there for the whole growing season, but three days in the shade, totally yep. fine. And if I don't have shade, I have brought trees into the garage or into the house. Yep. Like anything that's cooler than outside, yep. I will do that. Now, a lot of people have more trees than they have space to protect them. I think of that situation as a case where you just get to decide how much to care about trees that you can't protect. Yeah. yeah. What what can't you live without? Right. What can't you live without? And so if you can't live without any of your babies, then you protect all your babies and you find a place for every last one of them. And the often the easiest way, shade cloth, um, if you can't move, you know, 40 heavy trees by yourself. Yeah. And so moving trees is a good one. Um, oh, the other trees I'll move are trees that have recently been pruned. Yep. If I have exposed foliage to the sun that didn't develop initially in the sun, I mean, often that'll go in the shade anyway, but for a heat wave, anything that's been recently wired, recently pruned heavily, oh man, that's going straight in the shade. Another thing going along with moving trees is even if they're already under shade cloth, move them closer together. Yes. Putting them closer together, they're going to shade out each other. They're going to provide additional shade under that shade cloth and it's going to slow down the, the the water needs of the plant. Andrew saw one of my benches today filled with redwoods and they all have these, I want to say great sacrifice branches. There's nothing great about them. They're long and leggy, but they're all running together. You kind of can't see where the trunks are. There's so many overlapping branches. I hit a bunch of small junipers in between the branches because <laughs> I didn't want to move everything to the shade. I was literally being yeah. lazy and I thought, no, they'll get shade. They're fine. Yeah, uh, I put trees underneath other trees. I put them in between trees. I put things under benches. I moved a ton of all my precious things just went straight under shade cloth or full shade. Yep. I had a tarp up for workshops. I just put my most precious trees under the the tarp. Yeah, and so I went really, really cautious. Now, some people have high temps for weeks at a time, Texas. Texas. And there's a few strategies we do differently there. And one of my favorites is protect the container. Protect the container or protect the whole tree. I mean, we when oh, we yeah. when we talk about shade cloth, we most of the time we're talking 50, 60, 70% in that range. But there's a lot of benefit in hot climates to put your black pines, your junipers under 10, 20, yeah. 25% shade Man, cloth. Man, knocking the edge off is huge. Yeah. And so that can that can make a huge difference. Um, I, I have a lot of clients in Texas, and the ones who utilize shade cloth even for their conifers, they have much higher success rates. I have a friend in Austin who wraps up the pots. Yeah. And it's a lot of work, but honestly, when you've got weeks on end, it's like, you know what? I don't have room anywhere else. Yeah. Um, wrap up the pots. And I've seen people do it with burlap. I've seen people do it with foil. Yep. I've seen people do it with lots of things and t towels, just a simple towel. Yep. And honestly, there's kind of no reason not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for really tiny trees, there's some tricks. Say, let's say if you're growing in hot weather all the time, little tiny pots, 
set them on a bed of pumice, set them in a bed of pumice. Just put the whole pot nestled inside a bigger pot. Man, anything to offer that thermal protection. And I know a lot of growers will do that, where when they're growing mame or shohin, they'll just nestle that pot in a bed of pumice or something, and it just gives them so much more flexibility for how long they can go between waterings and how much heat they can survive. Yeah, that's a powerful tool. We talked about that in our, our shohin episode a few episodes back. And uh, it's it's not yeah. even good for heat waves. It's, it's also just a good general practice for a hot summer. Because it helps you balance your watering frequency in your garden and it increases the odds that everything looks good when you do get around to water yeah yeah i just thought of a whole category of trees i don't even know that i considered moving them or even looking at them despite the fact that they were deciduous tender deciduous species in full sun and that was the trees that are on the ground yeah the ground provides so much thermal protection yeah um you do have to be careful i've got well, go ahead. You have to be careful about the type of ground, though. If, yes. If they're, on a, if they're on stone, if they're on gravel, like so many bonsai gardens have, that, Asphalt. that can be bad. And so during the heat wave in Portland, I, I kept all my trees on the benches because I knew the gravel is going to hold that heat longer. Uh, I knew it wouldn't work well for me. I like What I like about gravel is there's so much air down there, and the water cools that stuff down. And so yeah. if the plants are on it before the hot part of the day, they're going to be in the shade. They're not going to heat up the same. Yeah. And so... You get um, less exposure to wind. We didn't even mention wind yet. Wind just makes things 10 times worse. Wind is the worst. So uh, I have a couple of friends who live in fairly hot climates not far from me, and they have a lot of exposure on their patios. And uh, several of them have put up uh, wind screens to keep the wind off. So they have Mm. shade cloth on the sides, but not necessarily above because it might be a species that can handle the solar radiation, but not the wind. Because when you've, when you're above 95 and you've got anything over 10 miles an hour, your trees are going to be drinking like crazy. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. Now, what do you do when your trees stop drinking? Do you do anything differently or not? If it's, if it's an abnormal heat wave, if we're 117 degrees, 30 degrees above our normal temperature, I'm going to water them regardless. If it's if it's over 100 degrees in my climate, then I'm watering even when they're wet. Now, if you live in Texas and you know you had this year where you were almost 90 days Straight. above 100 degrees, that's, right. that's a different story. Yeah. Those trees are a little bit more acclimated to that. But my Portland-sensitive trees were... Uh, no one's ever used Portland-insensitive in the same <laughs> no, sentence. No. But uh, my sensitive Portland trees were, were uh, exactly. a little bit more susceptible. So I, if, if I saw the pot was wet, I watered anyway because yeah. I was interested in those benefits that we talked about earlier about the water cooling down the plant. And I did the same thing. I'm notorious for letting trees go very long periods of time between waterings, but on that... You just don't mess around on hot days. No. And you just, it's, it may or may not be possible, but I don't know of any evidence of people who kill trees for overwatering it two days in a row. I just have never heard a a story of that. I've never seen it. Not a thing. I've never heard it written up. Um, I just can't begin to worry about that because I guess I, I never heard farmers say, Oh my God, it's raining. My trees are all going to die. I'd rather we had more drought. Yeah. I've heard them worry about ruining harvests. I've heard them getting fungal problems. I've heard of all that, the splash. Like lots of problems can happen, but I've never heard them say that they'll begrudge the water from rain. Right. So you, you on an on a abnormally hot day, I don't think you can water. 
enough. Don't maybe don't yeah. put your sprinkler on <laughs> the tree, but if you're out there every hour and a half, that's that's appropriate. Another thing people have done, and I'd love, gosh, I really wish I knew. I understand the theory, but I don't know if it actually makes a difference. More and more people are putting trees on blocks in summer to prevent too much water from being in the pot. Oh, interesting. So it's you're kind of forcing the air in there, which is a much faster thermal regulator than anything solid. And um, I don't see any reason why not to do that. You know, I don't know if it's going to make measurable differences, but again, there's no reason not to give that a shot. Yeah, it's. I mean, I've only seen that recently, but it's for it's me more and popular. you who have two hundred trees in their backyard. That could be, yeah, a lot of labor, but but it it might, again, it's it your precious trees, your yeah. sick trees, or things that are too big to move. Right. When things are too big to move, that's when I start thinking about how do I shade the pot. I've seen, <laughs> I've used boards, pieces of wood. People use plywood. They use cardboard. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, just lean a plank against the sunny side of a pot. You know, uh, gosh, I was talking to, you know, Matt Walker, Bonchi Bonsai about this. And it was funny. He, a year or two ago, he was holding thermometers on different sides of the pots and realizing how, like, you can get 120, 130 degree on the pot. It's crazy. Those things are little ovens. Yeah. And when you start asking yourself questions like, huh, how do fine root hairs do in, in these environments? Yeah. You start thinking some really creative ways to uh, protect the containers. Another way is to have a top dressing on the container. Yeah. If you have straight soil, that's way more vulnerable than uh, a full covering of moss or something like that. So speaking of, I have a lot of trees with moss on them and two, at least two of my trees covered in green moss, all the moss died yesterday. Really? Yeah. A wisteria, all the moss died, it's brown, and my red pine forest all that moss I'd been growing all year long, gone. It's well, all brown today. Well, better the moss than the, the fine feeder roots that are, would be at the top of that soil. That's exactly. interesting. Exactly. I know. I've seen that before. I'd forgotten it, but I, I, I noticed it more this week than I had in the past. We, I, I don't notice that with our Portland heat waves. Maybe our moss is... So there's a million... Not a million. There's a many there's a kinds of, of moss, yeah. and some are much more shady than sunny. And I will often take mixes of moss if I'm seeding... A collection, or sometimes I let it seed itself. And what I found is that often, under denser areas of the foliage, it'll just start growing on its own. Most of the time, I just use that, um, you know, uh, what is it? The uh, the shredded sphagnum moss. Yeah, the shredded sphagnum. I was thinking of the Japanese for that, and it the moss just appears. If I'm keeping the surface moist enough, the moss is just going to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the spores in the air are often going to be the shadier loving things. And apparently, and we've had a very mild summer. I have not had a heat wave since the last time Andrew was here. (laughs) His luck's been impeccable on that score. But it's, you know, it hasn't really been toasty since May probably. And I'm going to bet those um, shade loving mosses just got a little too cozy. Yeah. Because, I mean, we went from highs of 70 for two or three months, where literally a high 71, 72, not many days outside of that, to straight up 100. That's a, that's a shock to a plant, I would think. Yeah, it was a shock to us. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, so I was surprised to see the moss, but like you said, better than moss. I'm like totally moss. fine replacing moss. Right, right. So, yeah, so to sum this up, you know, keep an eye on the weather. Know what's coming. Um Protect those containers, and that's the container size, the container orientation, what parts of the container are in the sun. So many ways to protect that. 
and you know more important oh we left a couple more heat related things but yeah and then water is your number one be friend. generous with water be generous you know water early water often good good watering rules kind of yeah. go out the window when we have these extreme heat events uh don't feel stressed about fertilizing on the hottest day of the year just don't uh don't spray pesticides and fungicides on the hottest day of the year right just don't do anything that's going to kind of compromise the tree's ability to do its thing and try or transpire to the best of its ability. Don't get out a bunch of raffia and start bending heavy branches. <laughs> yeah, don't get out the dremel and carve out the insides of the yeah. branch. Um, no, let it do its thing. Yeah. And then get back to it as soon as it mellows out. Right, right. And if you have shade cloth, maybe you take it off. I know um, Eric has this great system where he'll temporarily just cover his garden in shade cloth like for a day or two. Wow. And then it just comes right off. I would love a removable system. But in general, I leave it, let's see it, wow, it's September already. Uh, I usually leave mine towards the end of September into October and then take it off. So I'm getting close. Yeah, mine usually comes off around 1st of October, yeah. around that time frame. So shade cloth yeah. is your friend. That's that's a real powerful tool that I think professionals utilize a lot, but a lot. I'm not, I don't see that a lot in the, the, the enthusiasts. It's true. And so we'll be... Uh, we should just make a plan now to come back with some cold weather tips since we're heading into that time of year. But he's been very much on our mind. Andrew and I actually, whenever one of the two of us is having a heat wave, we'll often check in and, okay, so what are you doing other than watering today? Or, you know, what yeah. else are you doing? It's like You kind of just keep the trees cool, keep yourself cool, and power through it. That sounds perfect. Couldn't have said it better. Thanks for the chat. Yeah. Cheers. music on today's podcast was brought to you by the fine folks at blue dot sessions check them out at www.sessions.blue